All right. Welcome to a drunken democratic debate number 13. Lucky number 13. And uh, it feels lucky to me. I mean, everyone's on the, the brink of uh, a crisis. We got a pandemic in the country. Uh, Bernie Sanders and Joe Biden are the last two standing Democrats. That's pretty lucky, right? I thought that was the pandemic you were talking about. Yeah. <laughs> it, it might be. Those, uh, those two voices, I'll introduce them one by one. First one, Chris Spangle. Welcome to your first. This is your first uh, debate recap on Lions of Liberty. It is. You guys are so gracious to invite me every time I'm on the East Coast. And so these things and I, I work morning radio, so it just gets so it's too late. But this time I was like, eh, it's 10. I'll swing it because I, I wanted to come on and chat with you and your audience. Awesome. Well, thanks for coming. And of course, we're going to talk some coronavirus, too. So I know that's something you well, I'm passionate ready. about. And uh, Dan Smots from uh, the uh, lockdown state of Illinois, right? You guys are on lockdown. Yeah, I we don't have uh, restaurants. We don't have anything really, um, and it's it's only nine o'clock here, and I don't have a life, so it's a win-win for me. I had nothing better to do than watch fifteen minutes of this debate. Now let's talk about it. <laughs> I'm in Indiana, and so Illinois and Ohio at the very moment, the same moment, announced that they're closing restaurants and bars, and everyone here is pissed that we haven't done the same. It's amazing. Okay. So how do you guys feel about that? Let's just talk. I mean, we'll obviously talk about the debate, but let's talk about the coronavirus first, since really that's honestly, it was kind of weird watching this debate tonight and talk, hearing them talk about other policies and things like, why are we wasting our time on this? But uh, pretending to give a shit if it's as bad as they say it is. Right. Right. Exactly. So let's let's talk about these lockdowns. Um, I've heard, I don't think I've seen you know, directly on my Facebook feed anywhere, but I've heard there's libertarians out there supporting these lockdowns. Have you guys seen any of that? I have not seen it. I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, Ben Shapiro on his show says, I'm a libertarian, and then says the most liber- unlibertarian thing he can think <laughs> of. So, I mean, it's, it's possible. I'd say it's up to uh, the businesses themselves. A forced shutdown, I thoroughly disagree with personally. And I haven't been online that much today to even know what people are saying or give a shit. Yeah, I mean, I'm 100% agree. I mean, I don't think people should be going to bars and restaurants right now. Um, you know, I live in Pittsburgh and Pittsburgh canceled their St. Paddy's Day parade on Saturday, but that didn't stop all of the uh, drunken 20 and 30 year olds from gathering in tight spaces, coughing on each other, and then probably going to visit grandma and their parents in the next couple of days and infecting them. But I think whatever. there's just a huge, so this is where both Donald Trump and the media have, have demagogued so well, <laughs> the other side that people, when something comes along, people are so used to hearing wolf being cried that they don't believe when there's an actual wolf around the corner. And this by every estimate, could be an actual wolf. And so nobody really seems to be taking it seriously. And the only way to, like, if you get it, you're probably going to have a cold. Most people in this audience are probably younger, and you're probably just going to get a fever and a cold. But the problem is that it because it's an exponential growth, which means two people give it to four people, give it to eight people, give it to 16, to 32, and, it, and it, there's, it's case, 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 cluster, cluster, explosion which we're facing in the next week. And so the healthcare system, which is about, you know, you have a community rural healthcare hospital that's at 100% capacity, and then all of a sudden at 500% capacity, they're making life and death choices, and that's the problem. And so you've got to stay away from other people, whether you believe this is real or not. And so from a local government standpoint, I mean, driving around today, I don't know about you guys, it doesn't sound like damn left, but John, you've been out. Mm-hmm. The bars the bars were absolutely packed. There were people posting pictures of themselves out with each other. And you just go, it's the height of selfish, selfishness. Like, to, to me, it, I have voluntarily tried to quarantine myself as much as possible because I care about my family and your family, and that's the, the choice to make. And so these local officials, I think, are going, all right, we don't want to do this, but if you're not going to voluntarily make the choice. And so politicians will always look like they have to take an action. They always have to justify their phony baloney jobs. And so this is, it's inevitable. I think in the next week, you're going to see two-week mandatory quarantines 
across the nation. You're a statist. And I will say in fair, in fairness, uh, yes, I did not go out today. However, I just got back from the Illinois Libertarian Convention yesterday. And uh, even if I did go out, I live in a tiny town of about 3,500. So it wouldn't really matter. There wouldn't have been anybody out anyway, because there aren't people here. So <laughs> really weigh in how many, much. how many ICU beds in your local hospital? Uh, probably one and a half. <laughs> right. <laughs> one and like an ottoman. A ventilator is just like what they have for babies where they squirt that little t- tube thing in your nose. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, I will say that uh, my wife and I, we were debating on whether or not we were going to go to the uh, Libertarian Convention on Friday and Saturday. And I was all for it. I didn't really, I wasn't, I was, as Chris would say, selfish because I was like, ah, eh, it, it's an Illinois Libertarian Convention. There's not going to be any more people there than there are at Walmart. And we're not. You're not hitting the five-person cap. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So I was like, I'm still going. uh, Long story short, we ended up going, and I'll find out in four to five days whether or not anything came of it. But uh, I told everybody online, you know, if I'm going to get coronavirus, I would, uh, at least if I get it from Vermin Supreme, I'll have a good story to tell. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, I know that, Mark Whitney went to uh, the Illinois convention and when he flew in and landed, he started to get like a cough and feel sick. So he just stayed in his room and then took a flight right out of there. He didn't even go down to the convention. Yeah. I wish he would have showed up. Uh, then I could ask him, you know, Mark, how are you going to make the coronavirus your bitch? <laughs> yeah, it would be good to know. I'd like to hear that. Unfortunately, he was too scared to show up. So here we are. <laughs> Too scared to show up, maybe trying not to infect others. Yeah, personal responsibility is not cool, okay? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I I suppose we should talk about this debate a little bit. Um, You know, one of the, a lot of it was just a, I don't know how many debates you guys have watched, you know, throughout this whole journey we've been on. (laughs) But, uh, you know, a lot of the answers seemed like it was rehashing old debates. Um, there There were some decent moments, but I feel like out of the, what, 12, 13, how many have there been? This is number 13, if I'm counting right, right which is... Out of, out of the 13, I'm pretty sure I've watched about 25 of them, and good God, they're all the exact same, so... <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I mean, you can't put the ones with Marianne in them in the same category. Those are oh. their own special little... little she numbers. was... The day she dropped out of this race is the day that nobody should have paid attention anymore. She was special. <laughs> oh, very special. Very special. But one thing I did want to hit on before I forget to is, so they asked Biden and Bernie uh, about getting the military involved. And both of them immediately, of course, we'll get the military involved uh, in the uh, coronavirus quarantines or whatever, without even hesitation. So, I mean, my question to you two would be, what do you think of that? And when is Trump going to do it? Because you know it's coming. He's gonna go I'll let him shoot the shit out of it. I'll let Dan go first. Okay. Uh, the libertarian answer, of course, is no, uh, but Chris will probably say yes. So, <laughs> no, I, I don't know. Uh, what does the military do exactly? Are we talking like military? I, again, I didn't watch very much. Yeah, of the so, yeah just to fill you in on what, what they said, Biden's answer was mostly he kept going back to FEMA camps and they can help to build the FEMA camps and this is what they do and they can put together, you know, stand up hospitals very quickly and, and all that stuff. Um, I don't know if Bernie went into his, his plans for it, but that, that was, that's what Biden said. No, he, he misdirected right back to Medicare for all. I mean, that's he's such a, and that's sort of, sort of alluding to what you said at the top, like his, he was so weirdly out of place, like the ideological, weirdo Bernie just didn't fit in this setting. Like it, mm-hmm. it, it, he was thriving a month ago and now it's like, none of your answers make any sense, old man. But the, the reality is that when local agencies get overwhelmed, they call in the national guard to fill sandbags and do manual labor. Cause most people who work at DPW are overweight and have diabetes. So they're, they need help lifting heavy things. And that's, that's, like I think a lot of libertarians, you know, conspiratards like Dan, get get all upset about the military being called in because they have, you know, we've been prepping. Like being a libertarian has made me so ready for this moment because I'm going into the store buying the right stuff after 12 years of reading libertarian Reddit. Like it's funny that you call me a conspiratard, but you're prepping probably way more than I am, and you're oh, way more. Pro- yeah, but see, I'm. I'm the the grasshopper that waited until this week to start prepping. You're you're the ant who's been prepping for 
probably a decade. And so, but the, the reality is when the military gets in, it's so vague that like, I got a bunch of people, the military is going to get involved. Do you think it's martial law? And it's not going to be martial law in like the sense that tanks are rolling through and it's the Chinese where they're welding you in your home. It's usually like, I've talked to a couple of military buddies and they're having, um, they're preparing mass units basically. So like if a hospital gets overwhelmed, the military can go in and run a mass unit next to the hospital and help with some of that overload. So like to me, that seems if we're going to, like we're not shutting down the military tomorrow, right? That'd be the best outcome, but that's not going to happen. So if we've got all these guys standing around doing nothing, it's better that they're doing mass units than nothing or lifting heavy sandbags for fat guys. That's just, I can't wait to see the new military ads after coronavirus, just showing the military lifting sandbags for fat guys. And, uh, <laughs> people be lining up to join. I can't wait. Now, was that, was that too state of stand or was that fairly reasonable? <laughs> I'd, I'd like to hear your take on it. Just so you know, I'm calling you a status out of necessity because somebody has to. Uh, I'm probably pretty similar on, on my status views as you. Uh, but you, I haven't heard you talk to Roger in a long time, so I feel like somebody's got to yell at it eventually. Um, Queen of but, the Luther Club, that Roger Paxton. <laughs> so, yeah, for me, as the conspiratard of the group, which I am perfectly fine with, uh, it's like a conundrum because it's like the conspiracy people's like wet dream. Hey, it's finally, shit's finally going <laughs> down. But at the same time, all these different pandemics have happened every two years. A new one comes out right before election time. And so we're like, eh, this is just another one. Don't worry about it. Is it like, it, from the conspiracy standpoint, it's like, well, was that just to like make us not ready for this? Because we're like, oh, it's just another one? Or is this, I don't know, is this just another of the same? They're trying to push fear and make us, you know, all in this frenzy where we're ignoring everything else that is more important that's actually going on. I mean, what's more important than a pandemic that has a 2% kill rate? <laughs> it depends on if you buy that. <laughs> oh, well, okay. okay right. let's, let's go down well, that road. Well, we've so. got several million examples <laughs> across the world and three months of data out of multiple countries. Like, sure. I, I don't get that. Like, I, I don't understand why. Like, I think at this point you have to be an ostrich and intentionally, I think there's a thing that a lot of libertarians have. Like, I am not choosing to participate in this. And so therefore it's not going to happen to me. It's like, okay, well, but it, everybody in Italy said that too. And it is happening to them. And it's probably not going to be the end of the world. It's going to be a big pain in the ass for about three months. Yeah. Like we, there's a middle ground between being willfully ignorant because you're mad that your life is about to be inconvenienced and like freaking out. Right. I think there's a nice middle ground. And, and I don't think that libertarians and MAGA fans are really doing themselves, a, uh, uh, doing themselves any favors by, acting like this isn't actually a real thing considering we have tons of data. You don't have to trust the government. Just mm -hmm. use your eyes. That's enough. Just how many, ads, how many dead bodies have you seen? Look, well, how, well, there's how six many dead bodies have you seen of people dying of the flu? I mean, or anything. There's 6,000 so far, and this has been in the human population since early December, late November. Like That's, that's a very rapid-moving virus. It's actually... Like, I believe like JB, JB Doctor Science, Alliance of Liberty. Dan, that point of that point is like standing on the beach the day before a hurricane and going, "I don't think this thing's coming." <laughs> Chris, just so you know, I play devil's advocate on everything. So just okay. because I say it doesn't mean I believe it. But uh, yeah, the, it's not just since uh, December, uh, November and December. The patents were created a couple years ago, but that's, <laughs> a, that's a different conversation. <laughs> So, I mean, what I come back to on this one, when, and there's a lot of libertarians out there making this point. You're not in the minority, Dan. And I don't know if you believe this or not, or you're just playing devil's advocate. It doesn't really matter. But uh, going back to the, because, I mean, the, the talking points are, the, the, the theory that people have is, as long as you're under 70, it's a cold, it doesn't matter. And which they don't really go into detail on what happens to people over 70. But <laughs> they say it's, it's just, it's as bad as the flu. It's just like the flu. When's the last time there was a, a cruise ship <laughs> that had a, you know, the flu run through it, which I'm sure happens frequently on cruise ships because cruise ships are cesspools. cesspools. Um, when's the last time six or seven people died on the same cruise ship from a, uh, from a flu? I don't think it's ever happened before. Uh, I don't know. Maybe Disney. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's because it's they were eating Mickey Mouse. That's why. 
Um, yeah, the like mouse soup. So data out of Italy shows that basically if you're under 60, it's like 0.1%. It's like getting the flu, but you can get sick. You can, there are young people who get sick and die of this and black people can get it. Uh, I have, I have a couple black friends who are like, we're totally immune to this because there's a little bit of that Alex Jones. This is a pioneer, uh, a weapon, a uh, bioengineered weapon that is specifically attacking Chinese people. And Z released it on his people for population control. But no, the, if it's over, if it's 60, it's like 5%. I think it, once it got to 70, 90, if you're over 90, it's a 20% death rate. Like it's crazy. Yeah. yeah. I'm not. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I, I, I don't know. Honestly, it, if, it, real quick, if you're over 90, isn't it a 20% death rate anyway? If you're <laughs> well, okay. So Dan, it's, I'm not going to assign this, but the way that it comes across and I'm, is that it doesn't affect me, so fuck everybody else, which is <laughs> completely unworkable if we're ever right, going right. to have a free society based on voluntary and peaceful cooperation. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. And uh, I know that you're a big fan of Vermin Supreme. His, uh, his take on this was very, very compelling over the weekend. So. Mm-hmm. What, what, what was his take? Oh, he, uh, of course, it came up in the debate and he, his take was basically, you know, the, the self-quarantining, everybody being responsible for themselves and also at the same time taking care of each other if you don't have it and you know that you have a, you know, an elderly neighbor who needs groceries, just, just you know, being human, taking care of each other. I, I agree with that fully. And I might, uh, you know, I might give the impression that I... <laughs> I don't care just because I'm not that concerned about it, but I am concerned for other people for sure. I know you do, which is why I'm a proud Patreon member of both your show and the Lions of Liberty. What was the last I, episode you listened to from each? The one I was on. And so <laughs> I, I genuinely think that libertarians are coming across kind of selfish and callous as people are starting to get more afraid. Now, I've done it too, trust me, because once we start talking about the federal government paying your paycheck, then all of a sudden I go full re like there, you know, and, and, it, and it happens all the time, but at the same time, like eh, it doesn't affect me. Fuck it. It's not, well, it's, not very it's, nice. I mean, it's a big opportunity though for libertarians with, with what's playing out in front of us. I mean, we're seeing, you know, a lot of the first, uh, you know, cancellations came from the private sector, you know, sporting events being canceled, March Madness, the NBA, the NHL finally came around after after holding out for a while, but yeah. they were ahead of a lot of the uh, the public school closings and, and other other things like that. So, and you've seen the private sector come in with uh, you know cable like Comcast, who's who's in my neck of the woods, is is offering free Wi-Fi. I've heard Spectrum's doing the same thing. Um, so it's cool to see the these private sector forces sort of coming together and, uh, and doling out charity. And rather than, you know, as libertarians, we should be highlighting that stuff and, and uh, you know, getting behind that and using that to help to educate people that it's better to have a system where we're decentralized so we're flexible and can do things like this rather than have, you know, just one nationalized cable company, one nationalized water company, what, what, you know, whatever you want to call it. Um, instead, we're as libertarians, we're kind of fighting about, is it fake? Is it not fake? Is this a government <laughs> psyop? What's going on? It's, it's crazy. <laughs> yeah. And I, I think it's funny that in the, demo, in the conversation about the democratic debate, we're just talking about a virus because that is like way more interesting than anything that was yeah. discussed there. Uh, so was the, was the virus brought up anymore in the debate or were they just like, hey, back to climate change and healthcare and shit? I, I like the first half hour was probably maybe the first 20 minutes was a uh, talk about the virus. Um, Did you feel inspired or moved or competency in any way, shape or form from these two? Not at all. I mean, uh, <laughs> like you alluded to, uh, Chris, Bernie was basically just steering every question about it back to Medicare for all. And these Joe are the was, things that I understand or I think I do. Let's talk about my bumper stickers. (laughs) His solution to not enough medical equipment is making the situation worse by increasing (laughs) demand and lowering supply. Genius. It's that socialist logic for you. But uh, Bernie was trying to use it as a... So 
So Biden will come out and say, well, we need to make, you know, all testing free. We need to make treatment free. We need, uh, you know, to make the, you know, healthcare accessible to all right now in the time of a crisis. And Bernie pretty much turned it around on him saying, well, why don't, why don't you want to do that all the time? You know, I, that's I think not what a- we're talking about. <laughs> Who cares? Like, there's nothing to do with this conversation. Come on, Jack. <laughs> hey, listen to me. I wrote the damn bill on blank. <laughs> Biden or Bernie, you pick. It's so true. They say the same thing. The other super <laughs> annoying thing, and this was actually kind of funny. I don't know if you picked up on this, Chris. Um, Biden kept referencing Ebola. He'll be talking yes. about, whoa, with, with Ebola, what we did with, in the administration. With Ebola, we did this. With, with Ebola, we did that. He did it so much that Bernie started calling the current <laughs> crisis Ebola. <laughs> and then right after that, if you go back and rewatch it, which I know you will, he Biden slips and calls it SARS. That's and so I missed that. I missed within that. a two-minute period, wow. you have these two geezers with their brain plaque just coming out going, I'm going to fix all your problems, even though I don't know what it is. Like, it, it was it, – I think that it was a missed – it was the best debate – I've watched about four or five. It was the best debate that Biden has had. And it's because nobody was picking on him, which is why he's going to have trouble with Trump because mm-hmm. tonight was, I thought it was way better without a crowd. I thought it was a lot more informational. You got a lot more out of it because the two of them were actually having a debate back and forth. Like everybody always goes, oh, I wish they would uh, do Lincoln Douglas. And like that, the closest that we're probably ever going to get. And I got a really good sense of what both of them would want to do if they were president. And it was really informative because we weren't wasting time with a bunch of clapping. Um, and I thought the moderators did a good job, but they're both gentlemen. They let each other talk. It was, it was good in that sense, but they, they came out and you just like, if I were president, if I were running for office right now, I would come out and I would go, I'm going to put politics aside. I know everybody's really scared. Here's what I think is going to go on. Here's how I think we should handle it. And we're going to get through this thing. And in a month and a half, everything's going to look different, but we're going we're gonna to work this out. And, and I think that's what libertarians ought to be doing right now. Mm-hmm. You know, not, not, you know, really, not dividing people, but trying to bring people together and show this is where the government is completely leaving. We left them up to testing. They couldn't do that right. How are they going to fix all our other problems? Let's work around them and move beyond them. And neither of them did that. Bernie used it as an opportunity to completely grandstand for Medicare for all. And it just looked, he looked too um, opportunistic tonight. I mean, I've always felt like he's a demagogue, but he, he comes across as honest and that he cares and he's going to fix your problems. But in light of what we're working through right now, it just, he felt so opportunistic and gross tonight. It felt like almost he was, he seemed that what's going on right now with the crisis justifies his call yeah. for Medicare for all. So it was very condescending. He came across very condescending. I thought. Yeah. People want answers right now. They want to solve it this week. And you're talking about something that you can't tell us how much will cost and cannot get through the Senate and the house. Mm-hmm. See guys, so you should have listened to me 10 years ago. Then you would be fine right now. <laughs> right. I know. Felt like I was listening to a libertarian podcast. If you'd all just listen to me. <laughs> And Biden even called him out. He said, Bernie, even if you get in, even if you get this passed, it won't be in effect for four more years after that. So what does that do to help anyone? Right. Bernie just kind of made himself look really kind of irrelevant tonight. And I think Biden, because he had a good enough performance, it'll just help him even more. Because as Van Jones in the pregame said, he goes, the CDC just put out the you know, no more than 50 people, that's a lot of polling places. And so all of a sudden, are we going to have primaries for the next three months? And if you're not going to have primaries, like do the math, that means superdelegates, which are the party insiders, are going to have a closed convention with no attendees choosing the next nominee. And then you're going to have Bernie bros lighting cities on fire because their guy didn't get picked. Like it, it could be a real mess. It could be a, a huge mess. I mean, <clears throat> God, I hope so. <laughs> Bernie if, Bros if, lights shit on fire, then they're like, see, you should have gotten free health care. Then you want to have a problem. <laughs> right. The Bernie Bros are just looking for a reason to burn something. So <laughs> I, I, I don't know. You see this burn, you will feel it. <laughs> 
So what else from the debate stuck out to you guys? I know you only caught the end, Dan. Um, most libertarian moments, I honestly didn't come up with anything at all. Um, <laughs> most which libertarian normally there's something, for me. But there, there are only two people, so maybe that's why. Uh, yeah. Sure. The most libertarian moment for me was the first hour when I was working on editing some video from the Libertarian Convention this weekend. <laughs> Because I didn't, I I actually knew that there was a debate tonight, and I was looking forward to watching it. And then I was like, "Oh, it's going to be on at seven. And then around eight fifteen, I'm like, "Oh shit! <laughs> oh yeah!" And uh, <laughs> when I realized it was going to be on at seven, that was like ten minutes before it was supposed to be on. Then I totally forgot after, and then started watching like five minutes before John you messaged me asking <laughs> me about this. So yeah, I was squinting so hard to try and find something to answer your question, and I'm so glad that you asked this because. The closest thing that I could come up with was uh, Bernie trying to justify communism and socialism and accidentally self-owning. And so the moderator goes, she was from Univision and basically said, how can you support, you know, uh, Castro and said it basically in a Cuban English accent. <laughs> and I was like, oh shit, this is brutal. And, uh, he goes, well, you just, you know, there's nice things about everybody. Hitler made the trains run on time. He didn't say the Hitler thing, but like he basically was going on about how, uh, I mean, he was tiptoeing around it saying I'm against dictators and I've always been against dictators and there are bad things about dictators, but it's disingenuous to say that everything that dictators do is bad. I was like, all right, that's a weird defense. And then Joe Biden started in on China and he goes, see, I'm talking about China. Uh, you know, and, and so then he somehow got himself to a point where he said, well, Joe, how do you think that China's had such great prosperity over the last 50 years? Like free market economics, or at least trying to open up towards a free market economy. And that's how they've lifted half their population out of poverty. Like, well, that's that's not what Biden said. <laughs> right. But that's what Bernie was saying. Bernie started making a free market argument. And I went, but wait, what's happening? Am I agreeing with Bernie? But he, he meant it in terms of they're more prosperous over the last 50 years because of socialism. And he's not a communist. He's a socialist. And I'm like, no, they're more prosperous because of free market economics. So are you down with that or not? It was, just, it was, it was a weird moment, but it was probably my favorite part of the debate because they were really going at it. It was a confusing moment. I'm, I'm going to have to rewatch that because I didn't, I was kind of in and out of the room at that minute. My daughter was going to bed. So I wasn't sure how they got to China. I heard the Cuba, I heard the Cuba question. And I come back and they're talking about China. What's, what's going on here? But uh, it was a good moment, but that's probably the closest that they came. So one, I mean, one other thing I want to hit on big news, Joe Biden guaranteed. I mean, I think I can say guaranteed guaranteed. He's going to make a woman his VP. He did. And I've always thought it was going to be Liz Warren anyways, because he wants to make it right with the Bernie crowd. I don't think so. I, I think it'll be uh, Kamala Harris or Amy Klobuchar. Ugh. Because they have to find somebody who is less char charismatic. And Liz Warren <laughs> might be less charismatic than Joe Biden. I don't know. That's debatable. Um, but Klobuchar, definitely less charismatic. Kamala Harris might be, she's probably more charismatic, so that's probably a bad match. But I know that uh, Biden's son was good friends with uh, Kamala Harris, so there's some, uh, there's some past there. And they've you know, had a meeting recently and an endorsement and a weird post-endorsement video that was pretended to not be filmed, but filmed. And I don't know. So there's, there's something going on there they're trying to push forward with those two. If you want somebody with the likability of Hillary Clinton... <laughs> But the the war on crime record of Joe Biden, it's Kamala Harris. Yeah. She, uh, apparently she's been working a lot on her image and how she pr presents herself <laughs> since she dropped out. <laughs> oh, God. What does that even mean? <laughs> All right. I don't know. People just screaming at her in a room. Change your face. Change everything about yourself. Lie more. <laughs> Uh, what After else from tonight? So what else did you have in your notes, Spangle? Anything jump out to you? I really think we should talk about it's going to happen. I mean, it was an inevitability based on the way that they were talking, the way that Trump has kind of talked. And I think there's no doubt that there will be some sort of big stimulus package like we saw during the 08 crisis. 
they were both just in full throated agreement. Bernie wanted more. Uh, it's going to happen, but I think we need to make the intellectual case in a nice way, in a polite way, um, which is why Roger's not on the show, but the, your workplace is not a welfare agency. You go to work, they pay you for your time and labor and they give you dollars for that labor. And then you go home and you're in charge of your general wealth welfare. Mm-hmm. If you don't plan and you don't take personal responsibility, then that's not your employer's fault. So getting the government to put a gun to your employer's head is not the moral thing to do. But I think that's where we're going. Like I, my cousin who runs a garden center called and goes, I, I just hired like half of these people last week. They've been working for a week. And if I have to pay them for time that they're not working in the next two months, all 30 employees will be out of a job because I will, I will lose my business. Mm-hmm. And I, 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 did I hear it right, John, that there's going to be some sort of exemption for companies over 500 employees, which would put the burden on small businesses, which don't have the working capital to, to make payroll. Like if you're, you're not, talking making, about, you're talking about the, the payroll tax, what, what Trump's been floating. No, what they're, what is actively being discussed now, and they both were in full throated agreement on is that there has to be some paid time off for the time. So if, if government, okay. if Trump, I've heard, and this is just blatant rumor that Trump is going to en- enact a two week mandatory quarantine. And if the federal government does that under the, uh, under the emergency act, uh, it's not the Sherman act, maybe it's the Sherman act, but the one that he just signed, uh, then the federal government will give you all your lost income. Bernie said 100% of the income that you lose because of a quarantine, this is not your fault. The disease is not your fault. And so therefore you shouldn't have to take the economic hit. Well, not for nothing, but I know this sounds really callous too, but my local school system is having to take lunches to kids because that's the only meal that they really get, I guess, in some cases, because parents don't have the ability to feed their kid and they've been planning on those school lunches. Well, that's a cycle of dependency, right? Like if Mm -hmm. they have not been for most parents feed their kids and find a way to feed their kids. But if we've taken that burden off of them as the state, as the collective, then they go, all right, I don't need to worry about this. I don't need to plan because somebody else is going to take care of them. And so by just paying your paycheck in times of emergency, you're creating another level of dependency that people will just stop planning for emergencies. They'll stop saving, which is really kind of what they want. They want you to spend all your money. Then we create more dependency. I think it's just wildly irresponsible. And it's an argument that we're completely going to lose because it makes us look like heartless dicks, but it's, it's just, it's, it's going to happen. I mean, there's going to be some sort of payroll relief taking place in the next six months. So I guess it would, it would come in the form of what the employer is fronting that and then recouping it somehow on some sort of tax cut or a payroll tax cut of something of that nature. Cause there's no way the federal government's going to have the liquidity to pump that out stimulus quickly to every employer to, to feed it you know, two weeks, you know, a two week quarantine or, or whatever it's going to be called. Um, I, I hadn't heard of that. I mean, that, if Trump did a mandatory nationwide federal quarantine, holy shit. Um, and yeah. if you have, if you have the military on the streets, then my, my God, that, uh, no, somebody said, Oh, if that happens, there's going to be just bloodshed in the streets. People are going to go wild. I go, no, they won't. They will blindly accept it. They will lay down like little sheep and they will go, thank you for protecting me. Well, I'm sure a lot will. And for one, I'm not going to run out in the streets because I don't want to get coronavirus. <laughs> I right. mean, there's, there's a time and a place to uh, to fight back. And uh, that, that would not be the time, I don't think. But Dan, you haven't said anything for a while. What do you think? Uh, what's the question exactly? <laughs> Are you I? It's like doing a podcast two, with Roger. So two, uh, two. does Roger smoke? What? Oh my God. We would, we would do those bonus episodes there. The last one that we did, um, Mark was super hungover. I was sober and chipper cause I'm a teetotaler. Mark was super hungover. Johnny was drunk. 
It was like 11 a.m. You're describing basically every day probably so far, okay. And Roger was so high, he literally sat there for the League of Liberty episode that we did and went... (laughs) The whole time, it was was a disaster. Uh, It's good. It's good radio right there. Yeah. Uh, Anyway, Dan, what we were saying, so... It's been there's rumors of a uh, a two week federal uh, shutdown and then the government uh, Trump guaranteeing that the feds would pay everyone who doesn't go to work can't leave the house because of the quarantine would get paid for their lost time. And the question is, would you get paid? I guess you wouldn't because you'd have I an employer. Probably wouldn't. I'm I'm self employed. I have no employees underneath me, and I. Uh, well, I actually can keep doing my job as scheduled uh, for the next two months at least because I don't have a wedding booked for a while. So I'm, hmm. I'm not that concerned about it. My wife actually, she works uh, as a reporter for uh, a local school doing their PR basically. And she just got, like she was doing it basically here and there. And then they hired her on full time a week before this all broke broke out. Um, well, she she worked there for a week, and then they had spring break for a week, and then they just announced yesterday that uh, after Monday they're not going to have school for the next couple of weeks. So mm-hmm. that's a, it's a bit of a, a strain, but uh, I'm not planning on getting anything out of it. We're we're used to living off of bare minimum, so I'm not that concerned about it. So did they say they're they're just not they're not going to pay her because she's not in, or is she on like a contract where they have to fulfill it, or how's that work? She's paid. Honestly, I don't even know at this point because it's so new that uh, she's paid on salary, but she has to work the amount of hours to make up for the salary. So Mm -hmm. she's planning on going in on Monday and getting like just drumming up enough stories as she possibly can to be writing for the next couple of weeks and hope for the best. Interesting. Hmm. So some comments from the pride here coming in on Facebook. Um, I won't give names because I don't know if they want their names out there out there and this will go public. I don't buy the 2% kill rate. I must be an ostrich. And Italy is all 80-year-olds. Country of all 80-year-olds. Interesting. Okay. Um, See me in a month? Italy's not real, man. I will accept. <laughs> I, I hope I'm wrong. Like, I want you to know that. I don't want to be right. I mean, but it's like, all right, I listen to Alex Jones almost every day because I think it's the greatest and radio. I'm the conspirator. No, I I don't buy what he says, but I love Alex Jones. I think he's hilarious. And he had the natural news guy on. And the natural news guy said the exact same thing that the guy on Joe Rogan said that Dr. Fauci said that like, like when the natural news guy starts agreeing with the federal CDC guy, like I'm going, all right, well, something's up here. Like, Worlds are colliding. What's right. <laughs> uh, another comment, um, just to what we were talking about with the mandatory uh, – Payback or paycheck, whatever you want to call it. Just cut the income tax. That'll work. Exactly. Cut payroll taxes, cut income taxes. The, the, the argument that the left will make against that is that if you're not working, you're not getting the tax cut. So therefore, and I just want to say that the, those are blatant, like they were talking about the paid time off in the debate tonight, but the federal shutdown mandatory shutdown is just a complete internet rumor. So I don't want people to run off and go, this is happening based on, on what I'm saying. It, it's just a blatant rumor, but yeah, like the, the cutting taxes, the reality is that it's going to take us taking care of our neighbors. All right. The federal government, whether you cut taxes or you send people a check, like you guys are old enough to remember the 2003 stimulus where after nine 11, they sent us $250 in a check. Like that was going to stimulate the economy. It's all bullshit. But the, at the end of the day, it's going to take us looking out for our neighbors. Charities are going to be really hard hit because all these, all these churches, like the church I go to, they're not going to have any offering for the next two months. All that money goes into the food pantry. That's the biggest food pantry on the south side of Indianapolis. And so they're also mainly supplied by Meyer by leftover unsold goods. Well, they're having a run on goods right now. And so what is the most vulnerable people in my community now are not going to be served by that particular ministry. And so it's going to take each and every one of us to, A, buy what we need and not more than that, two, start looking out for the people within walking distance of us and start helping where we can. Donate extra to charity. Donate time towards an elderly neighbor who needs checked up on that's what's going to save this country. It's not going to be federal action. 
Now you, yeah. you say buy what you need, not more than that. But you also said, hey, make sure you're prepared, make sure you're well stocked up. So where where's that line of how much do you need, Chris Bangle? When it comes I, to toilet paper, as much as you can carry. That's what you. When you're eating bangle. fifteen days of beefaroni in a row for every meal, you need a lot of toilet paper, Dan. <laughs> no, I think the line is. Yeah, the the supply chain is going to be disrupted. And the second that people really are, they're figuring out today there's probably going to be quarantines and they're like, oh shit, it doesn't matter if I think this is real or not. They're going to make me stay home and I don't have any food. So the supply chains are just getting pounded right now. And so you're still going to be able to go to the grocery even if there are quarantines that in Italy they're able to go to the grocery. But you may not have everything you want. Like if you only eat a certain brand, you may have to eat some other brand because that's the only thing that could be supplied in the store. So you're going to have food. But if there's stuff that you like or I would, I think you should have a two, one to three week food cushion, right? Like in case you go to the store and there's no ground beef, like have some extra ground beef in your freezer. I don't think you need nine months worth of food. Like there was one guy who literally bought 17,000 gallons of hand sanitizer. And now he's mad that he can't push that anywhere. Like, or, or the guy that buys 82 gallons of milk and fills his cart. Like don't be the guy that price gouging is caused by, right? Like, so I think that's the line is like, just make sure that you have a cushion and that you're, you're able to kind of get through the next couple months, but like, don't go in and buy, 92 bags of rice and then three years from now go oh that's spoiled so that's the guy the, the guy buying all the hand sanitizer and the clorox wipes and all that stuff i think he was actually doing a public service because i can't find any anywhere and i would gladly pay <laughs> i don't know i don't know how much i would pay depending on what the market rate is this guy's selling for i would buy what he has but he's not allowed to sell anymore on amazon so there's if you could go on amazon to buy toilet paper or clorox wipes or hand sanitizer there's nothing because there's no secondary market i don't know i think that's really a terrible move by amazon to cut that out i understand like where their heart is what they're trying to do but when you have scarcity like that when the market has been hit so hard by panic buying and people hoarding things you need the the price controls i mean supply is down uh, you, you you need i mean you don't need the price controls i misspoke you don't need price controls you need people to be allowed to you say, mean the market say, say whatever price they want yeah yeah the market response price gouging is a fake term like it's made up like mm-hmm. it, price gouging is there to help regulate the supply when demand is high and so that guy is being foolish. And if, if we were, if you were doing more of a floating price, the market would have gone, all right. Uh, and it's happened on Amazon. Like I was going to buy, I forget what I was going to buy. And I left it in my cart for a day and I went back and it was $5 more. And like, oh, okay. You know, cause they're trying to control their supply because demand is high. That happened to me with uh, paper towels. And it wasn't like the <laughs> next day. It was like an hour later. Yeah, it was ridiculous, but whatever. That's that's the market. The market was moving. On the flip side, Meyer Kroger, Meyer's like a Walmart type store here in Indianapolis. They put everything on sale. Like if you went to Meyer or Kroger, it was dollar cans instead of dollar twenty. Like they marked everything down because they knew everybody's going to come in bulk buy, and so we want to make sure that our customers can get as much as possible, as much as they need. So they they marked everything down on sale. But did they get cleared out then? Oh, I mean, one guy. (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) You should. I I don't have a couch anymore. I'm just sitting on cans. Selling everything in the parking lot for double. (laughs) Hey, kids, you want some French green beans? Um, Dollar twenty-five. Yeah. No. Uh, Did I I hear correctly, or was uh, was did Bernie Sanders make a correlation between climate change and uh, the coronavirus in this debate? I I was half-assedly listening, but it seemed like it. I didn't hear that. Something about yeah, the climate change is what's leading to these viruses and yada yada. And uh, I, I could be completely wrong, but I, I, it it was right when I started listening, and it, I was like, "Is this really where this goes?" Like he's just so used to linking everything back to universal <laughs> health care, Medicare for all, and climate change. That's all he knows how to Speaking do. Speaking of so. coronavirus, it's uh, the it's sort of like Ron Paul and the Fed. Fed. <laughs> Except Ron Paul's right with that. Uh, I'm the, I know. <laughs> if we end the Fed, the coronavirus goes away. <laughs> right. Did you say something, Dan? Oh, I said uh, if we end the Fed, the coronavirus goes no. away. Oh, all right. 
But but it's it's funny you bring up the Fed because uh, Bernie was going on one of his rants talking about. I mean, Bernie's good at diagnosing what the problems are. I think he was talking about, um, you know, politicians being bought and paid for. There's too much money in politics, too much power. You know, the workers' wages are not going up in respect to, uh, you know, the millionaires and billionaires out there. And uh, <laughs> nope, just like, billionaires. all right, Bernie, you're, you're right. Just say, end the Fed. Just pivot. Just say, end the Fed. Didn't do it. And that's what tr- people truly miss. Like, they don't realize the the inflation and then just dumping 1.3 trillion. Like he's like, you can't just dump one. We have 1.3 trillion to dump in the market. Then we can pay for health. Like it's not, that's not the same thing. It's not how it works. Like the understanding of basic economics or monetary theory. Like I'm not saying I know anything about it, but like I know more than this idiot and he's running for president. But the, the reality is that the cost of goods over time have really robbed us. It's a secret tax. And so now all of a sudden we're paying for way more. So I can't afford to pay for my kid's lunch. Like I need help, like help me, you know? And so, and it's really hard to get people to understand that, 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 that bad monetary policy is really the underlying cause of a lot of our current misery. And if, and if he would say shit like that, it would be really good for everybody involved, but he's, he's just too tied to making the problem worse because he's just, I don't, I don't think he's, I mean, is he dumb? I, I don't know. I, mean, we, I feel like we talk about this every debate. Like, are these people really idiots or are they evil? I don't know. Because, like, it's got to be one of the two. I, I, don't, I don't know where else they could fall. <sighs> Dan, do you – like, I don't buy the politicians are evil thing. I just think there's a lot of, like, just it's hard to people. It's hard to believe that they're evil. Uh, I, would, I would lean more toward the side that they're dumb when it comes to this case. Because it's like, if you were putting up evil candidates and this is what you came up with, uh, I just, I, I'm, it's hard for me to even fathom how we ended up in this position to begin with. Like, it, it's, it, the little bit that I saw of it was like watching two grandparents argue at Thanksgiving. It was just really <laughs> uncomfortable. Two, two elderly old white grandpas just talking about the same things, talking in circles and nobody interrupting them because nobody wants to get into it with them. That, that It was just... It, it, it's truly remarkable how long, how for, for five years we've been so scolded by these people about wokeness and how we need to be more inclusive. And I know I've personally gone, okay, you're right. I, you know, I, on my show, I'll have more people on that don't look like me, don't think like me, don't you know, have different life perspectives. It's a, it's a good point. To, to be more inclusive. But then they go out and vote, and these are the two that they pick. Like, not the gay guy, not the black chick, not any of the chicks. Just not, the two straight, white, elderly reptilian men. Right. And, you know, like, Bernie's Jewish, but not that Jewish. <laughs> if you listen to, ben Shapiro, listen to Ben Shapiro, he's a traitor. Like, I, I would take him to the Wailing Wall, and I would execute him if I could. <laughs> he doesn't talk about being, being pro-Israel nearly enough. No. <laughs> it's, it, He's yeah, greedy, but, but not that greedy. They're, 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 it's, people on the left, sometimes just they love to talk, but then their actions don't actually follow through on this stuff. Yeah, how, how did the left go from Barack Obama? I mean, <laughs> say what you will about his policies, but you know, as a politician, one of the best. Definitely in my lifetime, probably one of the best in, uh, I don't know, 50, 60, 70 years at just persuading people, getting people to, uh, you know, get on board with uh, his hope and change, which meant absolutely nothing at all. Uh, the first time I, I heard Barack Obama give a speech, I was in the Chicago airport and uh, I've, I'm listening, I'm probably CNN, listening to an Obama speech as he's one of his first campaign speeches. And I listened for about five minutes. I'm like, that guy said nothing at all. But it mm-hmm. sounded wonderful. He's going to win. He, he came and sp- spoke at my high school. My, uh, so I was a reporter then, and I went back to see him speak at my alma mater, Plainfield High School. And I was absolutely blown away by the guy in 2007, 2008. He was, he was a remarkable figure. And, and he was so transformative in politics that Pete Buttigieg is trying to be him so hard. Right. You know, he was so culturally relevant. And now look at Pete Buttigieg trying to host Jimmy Kimmel or there's that video. There's a great video 
of Pete Buttigieg saying the exact same thing as Barack Obama in the same exact phrasing, and then somebody then they spliced the clip of Barack Obama saying it. Like he he's just he was template changing, and it's so funny to watch him completely like Bush did it to the Republicans. He said, "Eh, that's enough being president for me. I'm out of here," and then let the party fall apart. Barack Obama's like, "I'm done with this shit," and walked away. Let the party fall apart, and that's sort of how you get to where you're at. Like the whole idea of they pick the candidates is not true. Like they are the voters. They are the people who are stupid enough to run for president at this point. Like you really have to be a dummy to run for president. Like Michael Bloomberg spent half a million dollars for everybody to go. We really hate you. Yep. Well, if the he, thing about Bloomberg, you know, he could have given that half a million dollars to everybody in America and we would have all had a million dollars, right? Now, I'm going to defend Brian Williams. It took me a good 10 minutes to figure out he was wrong and why. <laughs> it took, carry, uh, carry it took the me one a couple minutes, too, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> However, they did say it, and uh, it's not my responsibility to know math. And if they're going to put it out there, it's, it's, it's on them. That's and I'm sure right. Brian Williams knew that they were going to talk about that going into it. And everyone around him who's producing the show probably right. could have you know, looked into it. But Yeah, yeah they, they had it queued up as a, as a news story that they were going to discuss. So, mm-hmm. and nobody caught it the entire time until it hit Twitter. Right. Anyway, guys, we are at about the hour mark here. And uh, we've talked mostly about the coronavirus, um, a little bit about the debate, a little bit about the state of the current cluster. I'm not going to swear. We, as, no one's sworn yet. So why curse? Fuck. That? No, no, no. I said shit a lot. I'm sorry. Oh, fuck was, her, right? I didn't know this was a no cursing show. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's, it's not. But I was you know, going to mark it not explicit. But you know, we've fuck that. come so far. <laughs> so, uh, Dan, you want to go first and uh, plug away at everything you plug away at? Uh, sure. If you have nothing better to do during your quarantine, go on over to tsidpod.com and listen to The System is Down, where we talk about conspiracies, and I have an episode coming on Monday about the coronavirus, actually. Uh, all, all sorts of fun stuff. Conspiracies, politics, and religion. I also have a bunch of uh, coverage of the Illinois Libertarian debate and convention that will all be coming out this week, as soon as I get out of YouTube jail, because YouTube is... <laughs> A shithole. Who's your Monday episode with? Uh, Ole Damagard. Ah, I will. Yeah. I will listen to that. I probably won't agree with him, but he's entertaining. That's that's perfectly fine. It, it's a uh, he's he's an interesting cat to say the yeah. least. So that's that. Uh, TSIDpod.com. Chris, please go to WeAreLibertarians.com. That is the podcast. It is uh, not just a podcast. We've got a magazine called Heretic. We've got uh, several other shows like the Brian Nichols Show, uh, the Boss Hog of Liberty, Gingerarchy. We're adding uh, Remzo Martinez is coming onto the network. You got Remzo? What? We we got Remzo. Yes, I'm give, give him back. <laughs> yeah. So I, I'm I'm just trying to to increase the. Um, the network a little bit to try and, and raise up everybody float all the boats, I guess the way you'd put it Bring and the minorities in that's exactly right. Like Remzo and <laughs> um, uh, maybe I'll reach out to Bernie when his campaign's over. Uh, so yeah, we are libertarians.com. Follow me on Twitter at Chris Spangle or Facebook. I promise to piss you off at least half the time. All right, guys, thanks for coming on. This is John Odermatt from lions of Liberty signing off. You guys have a good night or day morning, afternoon, whenever you listen to this. See ya.